Welcome, welcome to the Godfather and Gorney podcast. I am Mike Farrell at Rivals Mike. That is Adam Gorney at Adam Gorney on Twitter. New to Instagram, all right? Did you see? I'm starting I followed to follow you. People. Okay. You zero posts, but I followed you. See, that's the thing. Some people have zero, they follow zero people, which are, is the biggest jerk move. I'm going to have zero posts. Yeah, well, that's creepy because then people think you're like a bot. Yeah, so right. you should put one picture of your daughter up there or something. No, I wouldn't do that either. Um, no. no, just put one up and then build from there. Go slow. Okay. So let's talk coaching. Let's talk uh, the fact that I'm going to just throw it out there that that UCF ended up with a better head coach than Tennessee. Yeah, I, I can't disagree really with you. And they said that uh, they talked to the new UCF, Malzahn talked to the team last night. And one of the things that they wanted to do was a high powered offense and for you to get to know us as players, which sort of feels like Josh Heifel didn't get to know them as players very well. <laughs> and so I think getting a coach with that offensive experience and look, Auburn's offense the last few years has been frustrating to watch. Yes. The quarterback situation has been frustrating to watch. I don't think Stidham got, you know, the best treatment. Bo nope. Nix has not been getting the best treatment, nope. but this seems like what Gus Malzahn wants to do. He's going to have a lot of speed at receiver. He's going to have a very talented quarterback. He's going to be going up against defenses that are not nearly as good as SEC defenses. I think this is an upgrade. But how the hell did this happen? Like, how does Tennessee fire Jeremy Pruitt? How do they end up? And, and listen, I think Danny White's a, a very good athletic director, you know, but he hired the guy that he knew, the safe choice. How does Tennessee go through another coaching search and UCF loses their athletic director and their coach and they come out looking better? I mean, that's yeah. just another embarrassment for Tennessee. Now, we don't know what's going to happen. Hypo could be great. I, I've heard he's a little bit arrogant, a little cocky, a little egotistical, and maybe that's what the players don't like or whatever. But um, to me, this is, you know, this is good for UCF, bad for Tennessee. And, and I don't know. You know, why is Tennessee linked in here? Well, because they took Heupel and Gus is a better coach than Heupel. I mean, he's been to a national championship game. He's beaten Alabama three times. It just, the, the, the joke of the Tennessee coaching search continues with layers and layers and layers. Let's remember Pruitt had to go with yes. this investigation. Mm -hmm. They were put in a spot where they needed to bring someone in that would take the job first. It's not an easy job to win at. And Gus would have taken the job. Gus would have taken the job. Okay, maybe. Let's let's see. I don't know. Let's see. Fans would have never accepted that. No. First, never accepted it. Second of all, I'm not entirely sure he would have, knowing the situation that's going to be unraveling in Knoxville over the next couple of years, the NCAA violations. They can't win with a full roster. Now take scholarships away, bowl bans, whatever's coming down the road. Something's coming down the road. Are you drinking a beer? That's a bang. Oh, bang. Like I haven't fallen off the wagon yet. <laughs> um, the situation at Tennessee is difficult, though. So Danny White goes to who he knows, and that's Josh Heupel. Is he going to be able to score points? The offense was the problem there. The offense was absolutely the problem there. Jim Chaney was miserable. The, the team scored like 20 points a game and couldn't beat anybody. So maybe you try to outscore them and hope that you can get some guys there. It's going to be tough to recruit there. Josh Heifel's not exactly a, a big time name to come in there. People aren't going to be flocking to Tennessee unless he can put up points. Maybe that's the hope, but absolutely. UCF came out better here. And the reason is Mike is because UCF is a better football team than Tennessee right now. Are no they a question. better job? 
not a better job. I mean, not at, not at this point. It's, I mean, it's not a better job overall at this point. Does, do you want to be a Tennessee right now and deal with the, what they're going to have to come down with? I mean, they literally might've been giving players money in McDonald's bags. I think Gus kind of took a shot at Tennessee when he said that he took the UCF job and it's a top 20 job. Yeah. I, I don't think he has a vendetta against Tennessee or anything like that, but I think he took a shot and said, listen, you know, I know there's been other jobs that have been filled and some of them certainly are, you know, top 10 jobs like Texas. But I think he took a shot at Tennessee and said, I took a top 20 job. And, and I don't think, I, I, think, I don't think that was directed towards anybody, but Tennessee. Yeah. I don't know why. I mean, again, the connection between UCF and Tennessee is there for a long time now. So we're going to be judging Tennessee on how they do not only in the East and in the SEC, but how UCF does with their new athletic director and their new head coach. And I'll tell you what, I, if I had to bet money right now over the next four years, I would take UCF to be ranked higher at the end of the next four seasons than Tennessee in the top 25 or top 50 or whatever. I have no problem with that. Absolutely. I think that's been the trend for a while and I think it's going to continue to be the trend. Here's the question though. If you're 10, if you're UCF, I understand Malzahn looks like an upgrade. If you're Tennessee, would you rather have had Malzahn or Heupel knowing that Malzahn's offense has gone from top left to bottom right on the stock chart since his time there and Heupel's has gone left to right up? Not left to right up, first of all. So we'll get to that in a second. I had, had you told me, okay, here it is. February 16th or 17th or whatever the hell date we're taping this. Tennessee got Heupel, UCF got Gus Malzahn. Here, Tennessee fans, which is the better deal? Yeah. And would it, you could you could null and void each of those transactions and pick which one you want. I think today, this second, they would take Gus Malzahn. Yeah. Now, that's not the way it laid out because Gus was never a candidate because he was fired. And Knoxville does not like fired people and they all wanted Hugh Freeze. Um, and, you know, and of course, you know, John Gruden and, and, and Bob Stoops and whoever else. I will say Heupel, trajectory wise, you know, he, he was at Oklahoma and he did end up getting fired at Oklahoma as the offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Um, got the UCF job, went undefeated. And again, I'm not going to say that that Scott Frost team because Heupel coached that team. Frost was in Nebraska at the time. But this past year, they took a step back. Now, they had a lot of opt-outs, a lot of injuries. You know, depth chart wasn't there. But to say he's on an upward trajectory, he's kind of downwards. Hmm. Sideways. Or sideways. And, and Gus is down. Yeah, but at least Gus has beaten Alabama, and that's really all Tennessee ever wants to do is either beat Georgia or Florida or Tennessee, you know, or, or Alabama. So it's I think it's extremely interesting. Um, yeah. I give it an A plus for those waiting anxiously. I'm going to be grading the new hires uh, Thursday, you know. So try to get some sleep Wednesday night, but I know you'll be struggling. You know, I can't wait to see that. Click and refresh, waiting for that article to go up, but um. Let's get to some of the other ones. Sark, what would you grade? I need you to grade on an A. There's no F, okay? No F? No, because even Herm Edwards, I didn't give an F. And, 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 and he turned out to be much better than I thought. But that, yeah. I thought, was the worst hire I've ever seen in my entire life. And, and so this okay. rating curve is C minus is the worst. 
Wow, that is a 21st century grading curve if I've ever heard one. Oh, you got to coddle these people. So I think Stark is an A. Okay, I'm going to give him a B plus. Okay. Uh, you know, an A is a little aggressive. I, I would have given Tom Herman an A or an A plus, and I was wrong about that. And, you know, I, I think it's a different Sark, you know, than we saw yeah. at Washington USC. I think he's going to recruit fairly well. Um, and, and we'll talk about Malik Murphy later uh, yeah. while you're doing the minutes, but I want to stay on coaches so you don't have to do the minutes much. Um, and people don't know what we're talking about. It just whatever. Uh, so I give it, I give it a B plus. I think it, we're both optimistic about Texas and what they can do under Sark. He brought a lot of Alabama guys over there. His staff is very interesting. They're recruiting, uh, you know, and getting a lot of positive buzz in state, but a, a to me means they're going to the playoff within three years. Well, that would be an A plus. I think they're going to compete for big 12 championships. There is an excitement about Texas recruiting the West now, which can be a little dangerous if you're going too heavy in West Coast players. I don't think they are. I think that's that's out of necessity. Yeah, it could be. I think he just fell in their lap and he was too good to pass up, but we'll get to that down the line. But yeah, you're right. It's it's risky. I think once Sark shows his offense at Texas and if it works, um, that I think people in Texas are going to start wanting to go there again. Kids have kind of, you know, it used to be where Mac Brown had a junior day and he would just get his entire class in one day. And those times have completely changed. Kids in Texas want to go to Alabama. They want to go to Texas A&M. They want to play in the SEC. Oklahoma gets in there. It's a very difficult state to recruit and load up on guys like they used to. A little of that polish is off. And so um, I give the hire an A though, because Weirdly, Sark has had off the field issues, but he's, it's almost like he's brought a new maturity to Texas where, you know, Tom Herman did not have, I don't think players really like Tom Herman very much. You want to talk about egotistical. I mean, that Sark is none of those things right now. If he starts winning, we'll see. Um, But in terms of the start to his recruiting, how recruits seem to feel about him there, um, and getting Malik Murphy, um, although there are a lot of good quarterbacks in state, and they're not done with Kate Klubnick, maybe. So they're done with Quinn Ewers. Yeah, they might not be done with Quinn Ewers. So I think I he's going to go. Murphy's done with USC. No, nah, we'll see. Or UCLA or Oregon. Yeah, you know, right. I, I right. Guess. Ten months before signing day, who knows where these kids are going to yeah. end up? So. But I like the hire, and I think it's good, and I think he's going to be much more competitive in state. And I will say this, if he does have success on the field, then he will go back to what Mac Brown did, which is junior days, duck, duck, goose, picking kids out of Texas. The reason that stopped, because Texas stopped winning, yeah. and then they hired Charlie Strong, and they got worse, and they hired Tom Herman, and they got a little better than them worse. Like, if he takes them back to the, the Mac Brown days where they're consistently, you know, winning the Big 12 or consistently in the national title picture, then it'll be a different landscape in Texas recruiting. Yes, Texas A&M is hard to recruit against now with Jimbo. And you didn't have that problem when Mac Brown was there. LSU has always been hard to get recruit against, but uh, Ed Orgeron has taken their recruiting up kind of a notch. So Oklahoma's harder to recruit against than even when they were, you know, under Bob Stoops because they're aggressively offering younger kids and stuff. So it's a different landscape, but I still think 
Texas is Texas. And if they do well, they'll be picking more than uh, recruiting. So let's go just randomly. Vanderbilt. Give it your grade. C minus is the worst. I'm going to not give a grade here, but I'm going to say this. When I talked to Clark Lee on signing day, he was talking about like having to completely change the mentality of kids there and sort of building it into a Northwestern type program. And I told him, I said, look, this idea that you can't win at academic schools, Stanford, Notre Dame, Northwestern, Duke, you can win there. The problem is they play in the SEC. And their and, facilities are horrible. And the facilities are honestly a joke. I mean, it's like right in a bad spot and it's just not great. But, but you, I mean, James Franklin won there. There have been teams that have been at least competitive there. But this is, and, and I got the sense from him when he was talking about this, this is a years-long transition. This isn't next year we're bringing in a top recruiting class and we're going to start competing. And, and what's really competing? Seven and five, best, eight and four, maybe. It's, it's going to be a long time. I'm going to say B minus. I'm going to say C plus. And, and the reason, you know, again, it's not a C minus or, or anything worse than a C plus to me is because who else are they going to get? I mean, this guy was a Notre Dame defensive coordinator. Notre Dame went to the playoff. He's a Vanderbilt guy. So who yeah. else were they going to get? So, I mean, you know, I can't say it's an A or a B because they're not going to win, but I can say, you know, C plus and not C minus. Well, so well, what's confusing about that hire was when they fired Derek Mason, they were like, we need to go offense. We need an offensive coach. We need to score points. And then they hired Notre Dame's defensive coordinator. So that was a little confusing. What's amazing is that Derek Mason lasted as long as he did, because when, when he was hired away from Stanford, yeah. I had a couple of coaches tell me, that he was so far over his head that it was going to be a, a, a coach Hazel Purdue type of type of issue nightmare. And it, and it didn't turn out to be that way. It lasted for a while, but it did become, you know, unbearable to watch at the end. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. Illinois, Brett Bielema, what's your grade? Jeez. I mean, I gotta go. I gotta go B plus. I'm kind of excited to see what he can do there. Uh, I should write these down, right? Because I'm going to yeah. write this article and they're not going to match with this. So UCF, A plus. I, I think that's a ridiculous grade. No, I know way. it is. Listen, shut up. What did I give? Sorry, B plus? Uh, B plus, yes. Yeah. Vandy, C plus. B plus. Uh, Illinois, Bielema. B, B. I don't, I don't care about yours. B, no. uh, you you gave it a B plus. I think he's a good transitional coach. You know, he's been there. Um, he he's he, he's been in the Big Ten West. He he kind of knows the lay of the land, and we all know what he's going to do. Um, you know, he's over his head at Arkansas. He cashed out, got his money for his SEC job. Now he's just going to try to make Illinois relevant you know, every three years. Uh, the West is getting better though. The West is quietly short of Nebraska, um, quietly climbing up there. And Illinois is gonna have some little trouble with that because you get Wisconsin, Iowa, Minnesota took a step back, but 
you know, we don't know what they're going to be like with PJ Fleck yet. Northwestern's been what two two of the last four Big yeah. Ten championships. Um, you know, Purdue has been down, and, and you know, I don't see them rising up anytime soon. Although they do have some talent, but that West is tricky. But B for Bielema. Are they just going to run the ball? Or are they just going to get 330 yeah. pounders from? Nah, they're going to run the ball. Six offensive linemen. I mean, they yeah. might as well have hired Steve Adazio. Right. You know, I mean, Colorado State and, and Illinois are going to be, you know, exactly the same offense. Six offensive linemen, one tight end. Uh, hand the ball off to some big back 35 times a game and lose more than you win. There's uh, there's name recognition there, though. So maybe he can uh, pull some recruits. There's nobody to pull in Illinois. That's true. And you're not going to go to Ohio and win battles. You're, you're not going to go to Pennsylvania. I mean, Penn State can't even win battles in Pennsylvania. Yeah. You can't go to Indiana anymore because Indiana's on the up and Notre Dame's there and everybody else spot recruits it, like Ohio State with Caden Curry and stuff. So I just don't know where he's going to get the talent. He's going to have to find guys in Florida like P.J. Fleck or in Georgia like uh, like Michigan State used to do and, and guys that are overlooked a bit, but – that's Use the Lovey Smith model in the final years and just have your whole team of transfers. Yeah. Or, or just, you know, take a class of 12 and two of them are four stars from Missouri and the other guys, you know, can't chew and, and walk, chew gum and walk at, at the same time. So that's a good theory. Um, yeah. Harson at Auburn. So I'm going to go B. Okay. And here's why. I think he's a fantastic coach. You do. Okay. X's and O's. Yep. I think he's great with quarterbacks, which Malzahn was supposed to be, but really wasn't toward the end or for large stretches of his tenure at Auburn. I don't think he has any name recognition in the Southeast. I think he has to really work hard to get any in-state recruits there, especially, you know, across the state is Nick Saban and he's going to get anybody he wants. So getting into Georgia going the Juco route, hitting up some people west of the Mississippi is going to be good. On the field, he's going to win games because he's a smart X's and O's guy, but recruiting could be a challenge early on. Yeah, I'm going to give it a C because he's a fish out of water. Yes. Um, you know, that's the problem I have. He's a good coach. Look, at there was a number I came up with the other day. I, I don't know why more people don't read my amazing stuff. I know What's I do. On? <laughs> where is it okay he took 16 offensive linemen in the last six recruiting cycles harson no gus oh okay that's what harson's inheriting yes so you 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 cannot take less than three offensive linemen on average for six years Great years and be successful no wonder bo Nix was running for his life but that's like irresponsible he took in 2016, he took one. In 2017, he took three. In 2018, he took two. Okay, so that's 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 six over three years. It's like, what are you doing? Yeah, that's nothing. Yeah. Right. And then three more in 2019. So you're like, okay, when are you gonna load up? 2020 he took five, but then he took two in the last cycle too. It's like you can't live that way. So he's inheriting a team that is not physically ready at all offensively right. that's his strength um they're gonna they're gonna get killed 
uh, at the line of scrimmage. Uh, he's not going to be able to recruit Georgia like Gus used to be able to because Georgia's so powerful in recruiting and Clemson's going in there now and Alabama's going in there. And everybody's going into Georgia to try to take the best players. In-state's going to be a struggle, obviously, because of Nick Saban. Uh, I just, I think it's a C. I, and it's nothing against him. I think he's a good coach. But you don't take a guy who doesn't have, I mean, his, his closest experience to power football was Texas Yeah. for a couple of years. You don't take a guy from Boise and throw him at Auburn and expect him with no SEC ties to, to be successful. So, Well, people expected Gus to be successful. Well, Gus at least coached there, you know, okay. at, at Auburn. Like he kind of led them to the national title with Cam Newton, even though Gene Chizik was – the puppet master uh, right it was definitely gus and cam that did that and then you know he had ties to the southeast i mean he he coached high school in arkansas yeah. he coached at arkansas state i mean harson there's just fish out of water south carolina shane beamer as you shane said one beamer. of the nicest people you're ever going to talk to really and i will say this uh, i'm going to rate him high because he's nice before our interview on signing day he said that he was watching the video of Dabo and I because uh, he was following the recruitment of Tristan Lee from his time at Oklahoma, and he wanted to see how Dabo got Tristan Lee. Very uh, nice guy. I'm guessing there's going to be a, a, an inflated grade here for Shane. Well, talk about really entering a situation that's going to be tough to win at. I'm going to give him a B-. minus. That is a little inflated. I'm going to go see. You, you are a tough grader. Jeez. Yeah. Except that New for, England prep school life has really influenced you. I'm going to take that plus off of Gus, though. I'm going to go A because A plus is ridiculous. You're right. Yeah. A plus is like a coach that has been a big time winner at a school. Yeah. 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 And I mean, for UCF, they can't do better than Gus, but A plus is yeah. ridiculous. But yeah. And this is the reason I, I, I think Shane Beamer is a nice guy. His father's a legendary coach obviously, frankly, at Virginia Tech. He's young. He's energetic. Yes. Uh, he is in over his head. He's never been a coordinator. He's learned under Riley, you know, a little bit as the assistant head coach and all that stuff. He's going into a state, you know, he coached there before, like, you know, like Gus did at Auburn and then left and now he's coming back. So he knows the lay of the land in South Carolina, but he has no chance in state. You know, if Clemson wants a kid, more likely than not, short of the, you know, Jadavian Clowney, Marcus Lattimore's of the world, Stefan Gilmore's of the world, that we're just going to go to South Carolina no matter what. Um, and then they got to recruit Georgia as well, because that's and North Carolina. And again, Clemson kills it there too. So Clemson's not their competition. It's Georgia, Florida, you know, and geez, after that, I mean, you know, Kentucky. Well, Who's the third best team in the East? Mm, probably Kentucky, I would say. I would uh, so anyways, you know, but the competition recruiting is going to get to them and it's going to be difficult. And I, I just don't think this, this is a huge rebuilding job and it's too much fun. Well, this is another issue of patience and expectations. What exactly are we talking about here? Them getting to regular SEC championships or them getting to bowl games regularly. I think that's going to be 
part of the discussion that we have here of what's going they want on. What Spurrier did. Well, Spurrier is a Hall of Fame coach, so let's right. temper expectations. Well, Frank Beamer is a Hall of Fame coach, and this is his son. I don't believe that uh, that recruiting in state is dead. They do a great job of recruiting, uh, especially defensive linemen in state. Jordan Birch recently. Zach Pickens. Zach Pickens recently. There's always one kid who's really, really good in South Carolina that wants to go to South Carolina. Right. But it doesn't help. This is another issue, though, where the offense was so stale and so bad. Yeah. They didn't know what the hell they were doing at quarterback last year. Marshawn Lynch will be back. Hopefully, it lives up to five-star expectations. They need receivers. Shai Smith, I mean, looked better at the Senior Bowl than he did <laughs> during his college you career. Said Marshawn Lynch. You're getting as old as me. Marshawn Lloyd. I'm sorry. <laughs> if Marshawn Lynch was back, that'd be really good. You're getting as senile as I am. <laughs> Marshawn Lloyd. You hear, by the way, did you hear Marshawn Lynch talking on that stupid indoor football league? No. About how he'd eat, you know, eat a eat a big salad before the game and then dig take a big dump. I, I missed that part. I just saw him on the subway commercials. You've got to look it up. It's the funniest. <laughs> like color commentary on any, and it, you know, I, I, I digress, go back to your, uh, your ridiculous points about South Carolina and your ridiculous B plus. So I'm, I'm being, uh, I'm being optimistic. I think I gave I, him a B minus. Listen, I'm being I, optimistic. I, they can be the, the third best team in that conference. That means they go to a, a big time bowl pretty much every year. Capital and, one. And, and let's put it this way. Okay. Do I want Gus to succeed at UCF? I don't care. Right. Never been nice to me. Don't know the man. Do I want Sark to be successful at Texas? I do. I like his story. I like him. Yes. Do I want Clark Lee to be successful at Vanderbilt? Don't care. Never talked to the man. Don't know. Okay. Do I want Bielema to be successful at Illinois? Mm. Not really. Yeah. Kind of a turd. Yeah. Do I want Harson to be successful at Auburn? Absolutely. Nice guy. Yes. Hey. Right? Mm-hmm. Very nice guy. And I want Beamer to be successful at South Carolina. Nice guy. And mm-hmm. it'd be cool. But we got to be realistic about this. So B plus, Gorney. B minus. Oh, B minus. I'm sorry. I was getting carried away. Yeah. Jed Fish at Arizona. The Fisher. The Fisher. Huh? The Fish Man. The Fisher. Okay. Yeah. Um, interesting hire. Has been mm-hmm. aggressive on the recruiting trail. Yes. I'll give it another B minus though. I'm going to go with you there. I'm going to go B actually, instead of B minus. And here's why kids, Arizona is a beautiful state. Have you ever been? Yeah. I remember we drove through it and you had a panic attack. Oh, that's true. <laughs> uh, you are getting senile. How do you, how do you forget that? <laughs> uh, kids don't want to play at the in-state schools. They haven't in a, over a decade. The, the amount of talent in the state's getting better and they're leaving faster, which is, is, a, is a troubling trend. At Arizona State, very good staff, very aggressive guys, a lot of big name marquee type players, Antonio Pierce and Herm Edwards and all those guys. That's why it's going to be tough in Arizona. Yeah, but here's what I like about Arizona. Ready? And, and yeah. here's what you're going to see. This is going to be quite funny. Because people aren't, aren't seeing this coming, and I'll tell you what's going to happen in a second. But I like Fish uh, as a guy. Now he's, you know, ten jobs, thirteen years. Okay, 
Yes. But he's a, he's a grinder. Never stops working. Yeah. And he was smart enough to hire Don Brown as a defensive coordinator, which I think is a good fit, even though Michigan fans blame Don Brown for all of their problems, which is not true. Um, Don Brown did one thing wrong at Michigan, and I'll tell you what that is in a second. Okay. And he brought Teddy Bruschi in as a senior advisor. And yes, he's, that's he's, good. He's putting together a staff that I think will coach well and keep them in football games. Now, they're not going to win the South, and they're not going to keep kids in state. You are going to see an influx, my friend, of New England kids going to Arizona. <laughs> they don't even know where Tucson is on a map. But nah. you've got Fish, who was with the Patriots, right? you got Bruschi, who was with the Patriots. you got Don Brown, who the biggest problem Don Brown had at Michigan was recruiting all these slappies in New England yeah. that belong at Rutgers and Syracuse and Boston College and do not belong in Michigan. In Michigan, yeah. And now you're going to see you're going to see this march from New England all the way down to Tucson, and that's gonna that's gonna kill them. That's going to be their downfall. They're going to start taking kids from way out of region, and I'm not just saying New England, but the East, and they're not going to focus on California enough. So I have actually just downgraded them from a B to a B minus because that's going to happen. But you think I Don do, Brown's going to have a tough time figuring out all these tricky spread offenses out here? Don Brown knows more about football than you and I will ever know. Now, here's the problem with Don Brown also, other than the recruiting the wrong areas. He's a stubborn, stubborn man. Yes. And his defense does not change. Well, that's so, the issue. Well, he's going to blitz you and he's going to press you. And in a spread offense, now again, the South isn't loaded with great football teams. I mean, USC is the best one and they're super underachiever and Arizona State's okay, and on and on. So I think his physical brand of football and the blitzing will, will be successful at first. Uh, but you can't consistently do that. You can't bring the house. You can't play press. You can't play. You can't leave guys on an island in a spread uh, yeah. league like the Pac-12. So at first, everybody would be like, what the hell? He just sent 10 guys. And then they'll start figuring out that he's going to send eight here. And, and then, you know, the downfall will occur from there. But yeah. I give Fish, you know, three, four years and he'll be gone. But who else are they going to get? Well, that's the other good thing for Fish that he's coming into. It's also sort of the good thing for Sark. He's coming into a situation where everybody was so sick and tired of the previous guy and everything that he did and all of the whatever was going on. Any sign of positivity will be really welcomed. Well, here's the <laughs> good segue is our last power five coach is Jack Heupel. Okay. So there's two ways to think about this. US, UCF fans were happy to get rid of Heupel. Okay. Go. You won with Frost players. This year, this year we stunk. Team doesn't like you. You're arrogant, blah, blah, blah. You're whatever. Uh, and that's never a good sign no. when a fan base, you know, a guy gets hired to a bigger job and the fan base is like, you can Yay. have good right. The Tennessee fans and Tennessee administrators and boosters and all that stuff, any positivity this guy brings to the table is going to be amplified by a hundred million. Now that lasted a little bit with Butch Jones. It lasted a smidge with that winning streak with Jeremy Pruitt. 
Yes. But unfortunately, it dies so fast at Tennessee that this is a this is a C minus higher. Lowest grade I can get. Maybe expectations now at Tennessee are so low with a pending NCAA investigation that involves all kinds of ridiculous, almost Hollywood script-like storylines, that if Josh Heupel just comes in and can score 30 points in, in a game, that people are going to give him time. Now, that is not going to happen at Tennessee because they still believe that Tennessee is a one nationally relevant, nationally competitive program, and they're not. Well, and they have been for a long time. It's not just the the, it's not just the Philip Fulmer memory and the Peyton Manning memory. It's it's that the only thing there is in Knoxville are the Vols. Yeah, it's like Green Bay, Wisconsin. Okay, so you got the Packers. If the Packers suck, that place has winter eight months out of a year and everybody's depressed all the time. If yeah. they're good, then they can deal with the cold and you know the, the 20 inches of snow. Tennessee is, I mean, Knoxville, Tennessee is the Vols. It's in, there's nothing else. You know, Nashville has, you know, the Titans, and you know, Tennessee fans root for the Titans, but this is Knoxville, this is Tennessee. They will never lower their standards because they've reached where they need to be. Just like in Green Bay, it's never going to be okay to go eight and eight. That's my best example. So Heupel's interesting because when, when the UCF players said that they want a coach that gets to know them as players, that to me said Heupel didn't care about them as, play, as, as people uh, as much and that he needs to be able to develop those relationships. Jeremy Pruitt, for all of my criticism of him, seemed the players seemed to like him, seemed to like playing for him, at least some of them. And that's going to be interesting to see how he can bring those people back together because they're in a situation now where they haven't been winning. There have been allegedly transgressions going on, and now they're going to be winning less. That's going to be a tough situation. I, I, I understand C minus, but any sign of hope there? I mean, he did a terrible job there. There's absolutely no doubt about it. Yeah, they need, I mean, listen, Danny White's going to give Hypo all the time that he's allowed to give him. But yeah, but allowed is the big yeah, question. Danny White's, Danny White's not going to lose his job for Josh Hypo to keep his job. Right. And the boosters are in charge. So, yeah, you know, and the fans are in charge, and and Vol Twitter is in charge, and all that stuff too. So Hypo will get it every chance. He's just not going to be the guy. I honestly think they should have gone out of the box, and completely out of the box, and and gone with a Vol for life, a VFL, you know. And again, I know he wasn't qualified enough to run a program and take it out of a dumpster, Gerard Mayo, guys like that. But yeah. but I don't care. I mean, this is your your program's in flames, so. What, what do you need? Do you need a guy who builds mansions or a guy who knows how to put out fires or which right. do you need? Like you just need to get the foundation back up and, and that's hard enough. And I don't think they're going to be able to do that with Heupel. So here's interesting. How about the vetting of Jeremy Pruitt? You see the article on UGA sports.com about the incidents that he had, he hit a kid in the head with a football. And I mean, we all knew this 
everybody in the industry knew that Jeremy Pruitt didn't get along with people, was a hothead. Uh, that's why he switched jobs so much. And now we find out that there's two documented incidents at UGA and probably more, maybe at Florida State or Alabama. And they, they hired him. Anyways, they didn't care. Yeah, they didn't care. This was after Clay Travis shut down the Shiano hire. Like, do they not do, I mean, I'm waiting in two years to find out that that Heupel, you know, has something in his, he's got skeletons in his closet too. Because yeah, it's almost like you have to, to go there. What's, what's crazy to me is that all these people hire, these ADs whose entire job is to know that the coaching landscape and who's hot and who's not and budgets and contracts and everything else. Then they go out and hire Parker Executive Search. And then those guys take their clients and push them into jobs. And then a Jeremy Pruitt shows up at Tennessee. And look, I, I've been no fan of Jeremy Pruitt. He's been a fine coach, I guess, whatever, average at best, punching, you know, white boards on the sideline and grabbing Garantano, which you've defended, <laughs> and just being a jerk. I, I mean, liked it. I liked it. Just being a complete jerk being a football coach from a varsity blues. Yeah. And it's just so tired and boring. It's I, like, just I, go away and, and go to McDonald's and have your lunch and do whatever I, you're going to do. I fall for that every time. I oh. know you do every time, every time. Remember when Jim McElwain tore the, the running back, what was his name? Uh, was it Fred Taylor's kid? Yeah, I think so. Tore, tore him a new one after he, no. he got a penalty celebrating in the end zone after a touchdown on the sidelines. And I'm like, this Jim McElwain, is real and then the next thing you know there's all these memes of him naked with a shark and all this other stuff it's like i just and, fall and for the must, big like must. and that wasn't him yeah allegedly um i fall for the 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 in your face approach because everybody's so soft these days but i think you should go on VolQuest and get an apology right i i, I think i might attempt that this afternoon I would love to see that because I would go eight pages deep. Look, Muschamp did that for years. He's staring people down and he's drawing a play on the board and he's punching things. The kids don't respond to that. They think people that do that are clowns. Well, depends on the kids. You know, up here in the Midwest, they respond to that stuff. They do not. Yeah, they do. Southeast, Midlands, West Coast, they'll, just, no. they'll cry. So... Let's segue. Now, this isn't the first time you're writing down minutes, is it? Oh man, I've been forgetting to do that. But but you're gonna you're gonna send this in and say like 25 minute mark, we start talking about this. Yes. So it's gonna be zero, start a podcast, and it's gonna say new coaching hires graded. Yes. And then I'm you're gonna, gonna 25 yes. minutes, and it's gonna be Malik Murphy. At 7.50, it's Sark. At 12 minutes, it's Vandy. At 14.30, it's Bielema. At 7.45, it's Harson. See, I got this. Oh, you wrote those down? Yeah. Oh, you're good. Good. Yeah. Okay. Well, write it down now. Malik Murphy. Okay. Okay. Now, has he thrown a touchdown pass in a, in a high school football game? Well, I think he has in mop-up duty, but he has not had extensive varsity experience yet. Okay. So I get that he looks great on the hoof and he throws a nice ball. I've seen video of him. I can't remember if I saw him in person, if he was at the future 50 or whatever. Yeah. I just, I, I don't remember. Um, 
but there's really no film to go on, obviously. And he was supposed to play this season and the season got canceled. That's not his fault. But when comparing Quinn Ewers, who has this resume of actual touchdowns and actual games. Yeah. Versus Molly Murphy, who has a whole lot of seven on seven touchdowns and nice balls of routes on air. It's not comparable. And, and I get that one's a five, one's a four, and they aren't that far away in rankings. And it's all based on ceiling and potential and stuff like that. But guys like DTR, you know, took a long time to develop and he's still average at UCLA. Ryan Burns never developed at Stanford. Gorantano, I'm telling you, had offers before he had even started and he turned out to be a bus nightmare. And then you've got the Kyle Trask crowd that says, well, he didn't even start. And right. Look at him, you know, but it's more rare for a guy like that to get all those offers and be successful than it is common. So I'd say to you, California guy, would you take Murphy or yours if you had, had a choice? I'm not saying you're at Texas. I'm not saying you're USA. Just which quarterback would you take? I would take yours because I think he's slightly better quarterback. But slightly. Mike, much like many things in your life, this is premature. <laughs> That's good. See? See how that I came up? That's a good one. He's, he is a Much junior like in high things in my life. <laughs> That's good. Well played. He, uh, he's a junior in high school, yes. and his season was canceled by the COVID-19 health pandemic that's going around. <laughs> and it's not like he wouldn't have played. DTR didn't play because Kate Martell was ahead of him, and he was great at receiver. And other guys didn't play because they didn't think their coaches didn't think they were good enough. Everybody thinks Malik Murphy's good enough. He's just a junior in high school. So you have to give this kid a, an opportunity to play. And once he does play, the reason I took Malik Murphy in that fact of fiction the other day, which I think you're referencing, is that I said it was bigger for Sark to get Malik Murphy because it proves Sark's idea that he can go into California and get the best quarterback in the country. Clemson did it with DJ. Alabama did it with Bryce Young. The best quarterback in California for 2022 is Malik Murphy, and Texas did it. That's bigger than going down the road and getting a kid in state. It, okay, it, so, and I know Malik Murphy's an influencer out there, and he's very popular, and he plays on a seven and seven team with a bunch of other kids. And we know these California kids will probably, if they ever get to take visits, will probably visit Texas, will be interested in Texas, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. You know, so what we have is a situation here where USC is recruiting Texas. And Texas is recruiting California. California. It makes no sense. Like yours is a God in the state of Texas. He's linked up with all of these talented wide receivers and offensive linemen, skill kids who want to play with him. And he's going to help Ohio state recruit the state of Texas so much more than Malik Murphy is going to help Texas recruit the state of California. I would take yours. And again, it's not their choice. They lost yours. He's gone. Right. He wants to go to Ohio State. Ryan Day made Dwayne Haskins millions of dollars, and he, he stinks. Yes. And Justin Fields is going to make millions of dollars, and that offense is great, and they're going to the playoff, and I've already got them undefeated for next season because I looked at their schedule. And I get it. I would go there too. Uh, but they would much, much be, be much better off having an in-state quarterback than Malik Murphy. That's just me. So – we don't have to argue about it. We'll find out. Uh, but here's what I will tell you. 
And I said it earlier, I don't think Texas is done at quarterback. I don't think they're done with Quinn Ewers. No. And I certainly don't think Malik, Malik Murphy is done with the recruiting process. Being linked to UCLA, being linked to Oregon, uh, playing at Sarah, which, you know, kids traditionally have gone to USC. This whole season is going to determine how that plays out. And remember, Bryce Young was committed to USC and then flipped. Yes. Um, you know, uh, Tua was a lock for USC, visited Alabama, flipped. I'm not saying, you know, Malik Murphy's going to Alabama, but I think he's going to keep things open. So, which is good for us. It's good for business. Um, and if it doesn't work out, he can just jump in the portal. Sure. So there's my segue to the portal. You can write down the minutes for that. Portal. What time? What, what time are we at? Let's see. We're at the almost done time, Mike. <laughs> All right. We don't have to talk about the portal. Let's skip the portal and go right to Trevor Lawrence. Did you watch his pro day? Yes, I did. Okay. So 214 pounds. I'm not concerned. I assume you're not concerned. Not con not concerned in the slightest. He can easily put 15 pounds on overnight. The new Jacksonville Jaguars strength coach who came from Iowa, very well recommended, will be. But <laughs> well, you see, he resigned. He re yes, I saw that. <laughs> Why would Urban do that? I mean, that's just so. Urban thinks that it's college football. Yeah. And he can do whatever the hell he wants. He thinks he's untouchable he yeah that's what made him great that's what made him a jerk it's what made him polarizing it's, it's what made him a awesome. national champion yeah he's nuts but he, he thought that was gonna fly in this day and age right he's NFL. yeah he's out of touch he's always you want to talk about out of touch like not reading the room right and and then the jaguars i think are looking and saying I don't know if we made the right choice Yeah, with Urban when everybody in the world said you didn't make the right choice. Everybody said this isn't going to work. Now, it still could work, but that strength guy's not going to bulk Trevor up, unfortunately, because he looks like a fine gentleman. And what I've heard about him is just glowing. But he's gone. So Trevor also has shoulder surgery. I'm not worried about that either. No, I'm, I'm not worried about anything with him. He's fantastic. Stop. You know, this is the time of the year where we have to pick apart every player for any concern or did he run, is he going to run five, six, one or five, six, three? It doesn't matter. He's awesome. The Jaguars what, have some talent around him. They'll be fine. Here's what takes me on. Okay. Yes. Trevor Lawrence's pro day impresses everybody, right? Yes. He, he had an okay pro day. For him, it wasn't a Trevor Lawrence pro day. He led some guys too far out of bounds. He made some poor throws in the red zone. Now, again, he threw some dimes and the last throw, the unscripted throw where he's doing the Mahomes, he's run this way, run that way. And flipping it down the field, 60 yards with, with no, no, it was great, but I hate, hate, hate so much. Every pro day is great. So yeah, I don't know great. who's quarterback pro day is next. If whether it's Wilson or Fields or whoever it is, but I guarantee you the headline is going to be this: Wilson impresses at pro day, right? And I can't think of a pro day that was bad. Can you? There was one. There was one I remember. Yeah, I want to say it was like a running back who or a receiver who ran very slowly. No, it was a quarterback. I'm thinking quarterbacks only. 
So I'm going to type in to, to old Goog here. Actually, Yahoo. Sorry. Yeah. Bad QB Pro Day. Let's see what comes up. Yeah. Oh, ranking the 12 most impressive Pro Day. Oh, oh that's that, that tough. Yeah, what's wrong with QB Pro Days? Looking back, back at some past Pro Day reactions. And uh, busts. That's there's no nothing about negative. I put in the word bad, and it's not caught up. Yeah. So that just annoys me. Like, I'm very, very critical of, of Trevor Lawrence because I expect greatness. And that's what we've seen from the beginning. And that's what I've seen in college. And that's what I expect all the time from him. And it wasn't great. And I know he was upset with himself, too. You could see after a few throws, he was like, he wasn't rattled or shook or anything. He's just like, yeah, not great. Yeah, that wasn't great. So anyways, it's going to be uh, interesting in Jacksonville. I want to say this. Urban Meyer has never lost in his life, like at a level that he's going to lose in Jacksonville. Yeah. And neither is Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. Wasn't Trevor undefeated as a high school quarterback? Uh, Kyler Murray was. I don't think Trevor was undefeated, but he had an astronomical record. It's going to be interesting to see how that how they handle that. Well, I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to handle exactly what's going to happen. Ready? Urban expects to go 16 and 0 next year. Trevor's going to handle it fine. Um. He won 40 straight game, 41 straight games in high school. Um, and four of his past five football seasons, his teams weren't undefeated, but he did lose in high school. Trevor's going to handle it fine because Trevor's mature. Trevor's a generational quarterback. Trevor's Peyton Manning. Yes. Uh, Urban Meyer's not Tony Dungy. You know, he, he's not. <laughs> Urban Meyer's not going to take it well. No. And it's going to go very, very poorly. And listen, all the health stuff, is gotta be crap. It's gotta be crap. I, I, I'm not, there's no HIPAA violations here. I'm just saying you retired at Florida, you retired at Ohio State because of health problems, you've got the famous 911 call, blah, 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 blah. This is the third job you've taken after quitting because of health reasons. You're, you've, got, you've got no health problems. But I think what you're gonna see is after the couple of years, if they don't start to win, you're gonna see more health problems crop up. And he's gonna be gone. And Trevor Lawrence is gonna win five Super Bowls under a coach not named Urban Meyer. See, I think with Urban it, it is health problems, but you know. But he can't stop himself. He can't stop himself. He can't stop himself. Some people can't stop coaching. Some people can't stop going into the casino and gambling. Like he can't stop himself. So he feels he's been a little bit out of the picture. The sport is moving on without him. He can't stop himself. And that's why it's like me. I can't stop myself no. from sending you sting factors. No, no. You don't want to see them. I don't. I don't want to do them, but I no. cannot stop myself. That's why I want you involved in the portal, because I think you, you're so insane. You've got so many mental issues that I think you're perfect for it. Oh, thank you. Well, you can't stop scrolling on Twitter. Right. You can't stop retweeting offers. Right. Which hurts your followers. Um, you, you really have some mental issues, but they're positive addictions. Like, I don't know if Urban's is a positive addiction. I, right. I just, I don't either. I, 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 and I, listen, I don't, whatever, health, not, I'm, it's not my problem. Right. He's a grown man. He can make his own. He decision. is a grown man. He's a multimillionaire. Uh, you know, he thinks he's better than everybody else. And he probably is in many different ways. 
So yeah. have fun in Jacksonville, but he's not going to be the one that hoists the Super Bowl trophy with Trevor Lawrence. They are going to be hoisting in Jacksonville, but not with Urban Meyer. I think we're done. TV, real quick. TV, real quick. 90 day, nothing good. No. It's really unwatchable because Tariq, might as well just throw that all out. I hate that storyline. I don't care. Ed, might as well throw out the phony chick from Paris and that guy with the ponytail because none of that's real. Yeah. He's There's been, no way she's that into that guy that she's willing to risk being detained again. Yeah. So would you, would you rather meet, would you rather never meet the love of your life or meet the love of your life, but have to go to Serbia to do it? No, I'd rather be alone. <laughs> I would too. Thousand percent. I mean, there's Twitter, video games. Yeah. Uh, music. There's yeah. a lot of, in Serbia. There's none of those things. None of those things. Now the, the parents of the Dinwiddie kid are swingers. Did you hear that? Oh my God. Why does that not shock me? Yeah, it's all over everywhere that they're swingers, which is so disgusting and doesn't make that storyline any better. The only thing I like is that she tells him every second of every day that she hates it here. Yeah, she hates it. Yeah. Yeah. And she doesn't hate America. She hates the farm in Dinwiddie. And I've been to Dinwiddie and I hate it, too. So I get that. Um, The pregnant girl with Jovi. I like her. I don't like him. Jovi has a drinking problem. Yeah, well, well, name someone in Louisiana that does. <laughs> I mean, I know a lot of people in Louisiana. A lot of friends of mine live there. Yeah. And I'm getting a whole lot of Facebook messages at two in the morning from Louisiana. And none of it makes sense. So yeah. it's a party state. So right. I don't care about this drinking problem. She's pregnant. He doesn't want her. He doesn't want the baby. And she don't want to be in Louisiana. So that one's kind of okay. The best is still Mike with the with the ugly hairdresser asking him out. With the half-shaved head. <laughs> yeah. That was great. He I said to my wife while I was watching, I said, if someone asks you if you want to marry someone and you just kind of give them the mm, kind of thing, don't do it because it doesn't get any better later you know like he's still in the hot and heavy should be like super excited about this relationship mode and he's not well that's what's funny too because she's like she's super attractive you know but she's so crazy that it takes away from that you know attractiveness a man does not want to be controlled so i'm looking at i'm looking at this hairdresser with the half shaved head you know and I'm like, go on with her, you know? Yeah, I, that's what I felt. She, he should be with Jolene. And a smart man once told me that a woman wants to be loved and a man wants to be respected. Ooh, and, who, and who she that? does not respect him at all. She won't even let him have a beer or have steak. I get none of that. Yeah. Love or respect. It's true, though. Yeah, well, I'm thinking about my life right now. You get respect. You think? <laughs> Here and there. So. Here and there. <laughs> All right, follow Adam Gorney at Adam Gorney. He's on Instagram. What's your handle? Uh, at Adam Gorney. He has zero posts up, but he's not a bot. And he's not someone who's trying to like date you or 
have you call a 900 number. He's going to put up a couple of wow. posts. Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's 50, 50. Yeah. Um, slide into his DMS at your own risk. Uh, and that's, that's it. You're not on TikTok yet, right? Not on TikTok yet. I'm a little concerned about the Chinese privacy issues there. So I'm going to stay off TikTok for now. I'm addicted to TikTok. And if they want to know what I'm doing and spending my money on helmets and all the loser things I'm up to, yeah, then have at it, Chinese people, because I'm not going to help you take over the world. I'm just a big loser who loves TikTok. And there's nothing better, Gorney, I'm telling you, than being told you're, you're, you're a fat old man by a 13-year-old. Yeah. I mean, there's something about it. I'm used to, I'm used to the basement-dwelling older people. Right. But when you get hit with a kid who's, you know, I'm guessing 13, right, and he's heading into seventh grade, and he calls you a fat old loser, hits you right there. You like it or hate it? No, I kind of like it. Yeah, yeah. It makes me feel young. And yeah. you know what also makes me feel not so young is <sighs> Terry and Arnold, his half-brother is Leon Washington Jr. Oh, my God. Can you believe that? Hold on. How does that math work? I Leon don't want to do the math. I just, I just know that his half-brother... His father is Leon Washington, who played with the Jets, who was a five-star in 2002 on Rivals, who I ranked and scouted, who is now now an assistant coach with the Jets, who is tied for the all-time record in the NFL history for kick returns for a touchdown with Devin Hester and Cordell Patterson. His son is now on my radar. Yeah, That's not the first son that's been on the radar, but it's one of the first that's actually in our database. Yeah, I started this in 1997 and stuff. So there were a lot of guys back then. <clears throat> but this one kind of struck close to home. So I have a feature on TikTok at Rivals Godfather, which is how freaking old am I? Yeah. And I do it every day. And uh, I remind people exactly how old I am by talking about the fact that I scouted, you know, Brian Flores, the Miami Dolphins head football coach in high school. That would make for a very good article, I think, Mike. I think so too. But right now I'm working on the talk. Okay. I got to get over 10,000 to become a creator on the talk. Okay, and, nice. And then you can start taking questions and requests and stuff. Okay. Then I got to get verified. And then it's, you know, watch out. Then it's over. I like that sweatshirt. That's That's the first one you've worn that doesn't look like it's like acid washed or something <laughs> my buddy sent me a link we're no longer you know associated with adidas on an official basis even though i'm wearing what hat have we got on adidas oh and adidas. so he sent me this and, and i i like 3x because they're loose three of these 3x yes 3x okay uh, uh two two gray in this three of them for 60 bucks. Wow. Nice. And they're normally 55 each. That's a, that's a bargain right there, Mike. I'm a savvy shopper. And then I'll go and drop a thousand dollars on my Chrome authentic speed flex champ Bailey Denver Broncos helmet behind me because I can't stop myself. What's the orange one right 
over your right shoulder. Yeah, that's, oh, this? Yeah. That's uh, Barry Sanders, Oklahoma State. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. Isn't that gorgeous? Yeah, that is cool. That's I very mean, my goodness. Yeah, that's a good looking helmet. Oh, oh sign too. Oh, yeah, they're all signed. You should find that. You should uh, follow Darren Ravel. He does uh, nightly baseball card auction updates, which are really cool. Because somewhere in my garage is a mint condition Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. How much is that worth? I don't know. But hmm. I might have to go rummaging through my garage to find it. I used to collect baseball cards, and, and Mike Schmidt was a uh, rookie in 1972. Nice. I believe, and his rookie card was like worth $350 back then. Yeah. This was in the 80s. It was like the gold standard of rookie cards, you know, short of Hank Aaron and, you know, Willie Mays and those guys. Yeah. I was just in Cooperstown recently in September, and uh, it's worth like 50 bucks. Oh, that's depressing. <laughs> yeah. so. I don't think it's a good investment. These are horrible investments, but it's really an addiction because they're so shiny and pretty. I mean, these are like earrings, yeah. right? Or, or like diamonds to a girl. That's no. all they are. It's just my boy jewelry. It's awful. Let's get out of here. All right, time to go. All right, I'm going to stop this. Hold on. I'm stopping it. <laughs>